Welcome to the Gospel in Lagos, the sermon podcast of City Church. City Church is a community of worshippers and mission. We exist to catalyze a gospel-centered movement that renews Lagos spiritually, socially, and culturally. You can find out more about us at www.citychurchlagos.com. City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos. I'm a proud member of the Nobi Beans Club, right? Nobi Beans Club. I have also been a member of the uh, Awi Beep Club, right? And I was also a member of the Never Act. But that, it, was, it was there that I was seen. It was in that 0 to 5 that we were seen. It's not the Never we were seen in that 0 to 5. So, you know, I do firmly believe that um, sex isn't overrated. It's not overrated. It's not overrated. I'm very round of applause. Round of applause for yourself, please. And um, I, I used to subscribe to putting on my ring all the time. Strongly, strongly, I strongly agreed. Um, then my weight changed. And then the thing was getting stuck. You know, and so... Some of these things, you know, you, you have to be careful with your uh, firm approach on some things because your body isn't always as firm as you, you, had, you were when you started. But again, I want to welcome us, those who are married and those who are not married. I, I want to welcome those who are married because how did we make it through 2020? How many of you went back to your marriage counseling manuals and they told you, oh, by the way, Here's how you get through five months of lockdown with your spouse within a pandemic. Honestly, I was with, you thought some, I was so scared. I was always scared about phone calls. Like someone just say, I've killed my wife. I have killed her. It, could, it can't, you tell me how I would, you know. So congratulations to yourself for those who are married before then and you are still married now. Round of applause to you. No, but um, thank God, thank God, you know, marriages have been tested in different ways, really. I, and I seriously mean it, the pandemic was one thing that really tested us and, and, and we thought, how, how, how? It, it took us to other levels, you know, in, in our marriage. And I do want to say this, uh, being married, uh, and for those watching as well, whether you're watching from Lagos or not, uh, we welcome you. And whether you're single or married, welcome you as well. Being married in Lagos, though, I should say, is on the one hand, it's not unique. On the other hand, it's unique. It's not unique because, you know, marriage is marriage. Whether it's married in biblical times, whether you are in the U.S., whether you are in Somalia, whether you are in Kaduna, marriage is marriage, isn't it? But not everywhere is Lagos. Not everywhere is Lagos. You see, in Lagos, married in Lagos, it has its unique challenges it's because of something I call the vicious Las Giddy cycle. You do know what that is. If I were to explain it, you know, for instance, I often like to tell people, you know, when you are driving in Lagos traffic and, you know, somebody's just honing, honing and trying to, and the next thing you're like, Akilo Lee, I was pushing you now, cool down. And I always tell people, don't do that. It's wrong. Because you don't know what's pushing that person. You don't know whether the person... Let's call it what it is. The person is pressed to do number two. <laughs> now, you laugh until you are there, you have had that experience. So when I'm telling you don't, 
20 something years ago on campus, I understood that experience and I became empathetic. <laughs> and in the same vein, when people are nasty to you at customer service, don't just immediately spark back. You don't know what has happened to them in their homes, in their marriage. Do you understand? Sometimes, you know, a customer service person is doing you all kind of be like, ah, is it the same thing we're talking about? Or is it, you don't know what has happened to them at home. And in the same vein, if you're that customer service person, when you go home, uh, if you admire to that customer service uh, person, when they are nasty to you at home, you don't know why. It may be one person that they spoke to at work. In other words, chicken or the egg, which one came first? Is it the person that was being nasty at the customer service or is it the marriage? And you find this in Lagos because the pressures are unique. Whether it is the traffic that we face, thank God a lot of us are doing hybrid, um, uh, what do you call it now? Hybrid work now and all that. That's, solve, that's solving our marriage problems. Whether it is just the, our uniqueness in constructing abuses for the other person, whether it is the fact that our children, because our houses are smaller than most places and we don't have backyards and our children are putting pressure on marriage in Lagos is unique. I don't want to say it's hard, but it's unique. That's why we put up this event and called it unique, uh, specifically married in Lagos. We want to serve marriages, particularly within the context of Lagos, but broadly as well. But we want to do it from the standpoint of the designer of marriage. And who is the designer of marriage? God. And that's why we hope that whatever you hear or whatever we're recommending is biblically based, is gospel-centered, but it's also contextually relevant. And that's the kind of approach that we want to take to it. I do want to also want to say that we want to serve singles. And by singles, I don't mean, um, I just mean the unmarried. So whether you are dating, whether you are intending to, you know, you are maybe, you are, what's that word? You are engaged, or maybe you just intend on being married. I want to say that the best time for you to be prepared, you know, the best way of you preparing for marriage, or one of the be better ways for you to prepare marriage, is actually hearing from married people and seeing how, you know, uh, marriage develops over a period of time. That's why we also ask for singles to be here. I know a lot of them are watching as well. Now, I am excited for uh, this year's theme, um, which we've phrased in a question. Thinking about questions. Have you ever been asked a question um, about a deed that has already been done that you cannot change? A deed, you ask a question about a deed that, can, that has already been done and you cannot change. The kind that makes you respond with, huh? Typical example is this. So you come around, you say, ah, help me. I'm looking for my keys. And what's the question you hear? Where did you? To which I always want to say, it's just that you can't say it. I always want to say something like, shush, I don't know. Maybe I put it, got lost inside the vast space that is within your empty head. <laughs> hey, what kind of question is that? And I can't forget in the ad, when they asked, they said, why are you married? And Kem is like, huh? <laughs> like, see, we have been in this no-beans club for how long? After the marriage has been done, you are now still asking me, why are you married? And yet, the answer to that question, because it's not like misplacing your keys, the answer to that question, I think even asking that, going over that, uh, uh, the answer to that question over the years in our marriage is absolutely essential if you actually want to live out what a good marriage is. Now, the truth is that all of us kind of, we have an answer to why we are married. We do. 
whether we've articulated it or not, it's impossible for you to live out that marriage without some kind of purpose. Now, the problem here is this, or the rather the more important question is this, you do have a purpose to your marriage. Is it the right one? And if it's not the right one, how can you discover the right one? And that's what we want to talk about today. Because I really do believe, again, I don't know where your marriage is at, but I do believe that as we discover what the true purpose for our marriage is, that our marriages, if they are in difficult circumstances, that God can heal those marriages. I really do believe that for those of us who are on the cusp of being married, you, you, if you have this question rightly answered, you can be set up for the platform for a good and flourishing marriage. And for those of us who, I would say that, you, are, you know, your marriages are already good. Your marriages are okay. Well, you can strengthen those marriages as well. Amen. And so that's what I'm praying today, that in one way or the other, God will move among us. And as we answer that question, that our marriages will be better or the marriages we intend to have will be better. Okay, so let's go. I hope this, this talk shouldn't be long. When the preacher says that, you wonder what does, what, does, what does that mean? But honestly, honestly, this one shouldn't be. All right, let's start. So, who doesn't want to be, which one of you doesn't want to be happy in life? If you don't want to be happy in life, hands up. Yeah, right. Right? Yeah, that's good. We have seen people here. Because I thought some people were going, some, some, I thought I saw somebody trying to move up. Their hands and like oh maybe the question is not uh, is um, is a little bit unnuanced you know and I'm not talking about those who feel like happiness is an illusion there are some people that feel like that right or some who are they are not happy because they see other people are happy right there are people like that there are those who actually just live do things in life that will not make them happy. Now, it's not whether or not we are not happy. The issue is this. I don't think I've met anyone who will clearly articulate and say, I don't want to be happy. Never, I've never met anyone like that. And yet, many of us are unhappy. And part of the reason we are unhappy, for those of us who are married, is largely, many times, our marriage is the one that is contributing to our unhappiness. And here is the approach we normally take in trying to fix the happiness in our lives. We feel this. If I fix my marriage, if I fix the problems in my marriage, I will fix my marriage. And if I fix my marriage, I'll fix my life. I'll become happy. That seems very simple. Fix the problems in my marriage, fix my marriage. Fix my marriage, fix the happiness in my life. But can I say that sometimes... Focusing on our problems in trying to fix our problems is the thing that actually makes the problems multiply. That sometimes I want to offer a different strategy of trying to fix this issue in our marriage. That sometimes it is not focusing on the problems that will help us. There is a different strategy. And that's why I want us to look at this very, I'm not reading many passages today, but the big one, surprise, surprise, is a married passage that we all know. Galatians. Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 to 28. Ah, we've already finished preaching Galatians. How many more Galatians? Genesis 1, 27, 28. Genesis 1, 27, 28, which we all know. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply 
fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Do you notice what he says there about how God created marriages? He said that the marriages should be fruitful and they should multiply. That when God created marriage, he says marriages should be what? Should be multiplicative. What does that mean? Well, in order to make that clear, maybe I should do, let's do something. Um, some of us have children here in school. If you have children in school, raise up your hand. Children in school, they care something. All right. And um, have you, when last did you see your children's report? For those of you that check it. And when, when last did you tell your child, you're not like me, when they, you're like your father or something like that? So obviously, we like to see ourselves as, as brilliant people and all of that. I have a quiz for us. I have a quiz. All right? I'm not, don't put it up, oh. Okay, I have a quiz for us. Now, in this quiz, uh, just give me the answer and a special prize awaits the person that gets, the first person to get the answer here. I didn't say the first person to answer. I said the first person to get the answer. In this quiz, don't use any calculator. You can't use calculator. Put your phones away. Let me just see. Because some of you that you're telling your children you, you, you are better than them. You knew you are better at cheating than them. That's what you are. <laughs> Now, a simple equation, put it up. What's the answer? Don't, uh, what's the answer? What's the answer? Don't, uh, don't, uh, don't think out loud. I want to hear which the first, who's going to get it? Answer. 34. So it says it. 27. Zero. Zero. Your answer, your answer is zero. Your processing is zero. 32, 32, 24. I've not said what the answer is. 32, 24. Eh? 62. Who said 62? 62. 62. 62. 62. But I don't know who came first. I think it was, it was praise. But that, uh, it, it's for Labi. Uh, who, uh, all right, let the wives come and fight. Uh, China and, uh, so the answer is what? 62. No. Okay, what's the answer? Let's, let's, what's the answer? What's the answer? But let's allow him. Let's allow him. <laughs> you are representing Mother Keke here. <laughs> now, the answer is 62. Now, for those of you who say, hey, how can those ones have said 34? No, you didn't answer. You didn't say anything. At least they were brave enough. Now, when we looked at that thing, ah, man, school don't tell me. <laughs> it's like, hi. When we looked at it, yes, what I know. Whether, uh, by the way, where's uh, praise? Praise. No, I think praise said it first. Praise, come for the prize. That's shake. That's that's whatever. No, no, go that way. Go that way. <laughs> you guys, everybody laughing. This way, I'm a pastor. That no, come forward, come forward, come forward. Look at the camera. This is called a pastoral handshake. Are you? Yeah. You are blessed. I told you, I, I. It's called generosity. Out of the abundance of my heart, I just give up. So wait for the next one. Next, wait, we don't just give it out anywhere. There's one thing I know we were all doing. But okay, the the more the ones the ones uh, that didn't skip classes in school. When you were looking at that equation, 
one word came to your mind, whether you got it right or not. You know what it was? Bodmas. Bodmas. Right? Bodmas. What does Bodmas stand for? Exactly. The fact that you know Bodmas doesn't mean that you will apply it very well. But let's just leave that there. Now, the truth about Bodmas is this. Uh-huh. Show her very well. Show her very well. Even though you didn't say anything, no. You didn't say anything. She was brave. Uh, oh, he told you. He told you the wrong answer. Ah. Hey, hey. It was Eve that spoke to Adam the wrong thing, no. It wasn't Adam that spoke to Eve the wrong thing. You understand? And so, so don't, don't reverse it. Let's not reverse. We don't teach reversible principles in this church, okay? All right, okay. Now, back to it. Now, here's what we find with board mass. With board mass, really, you see the, basis, uh, the basic operations in mathematics. Really, the bracket and off are just ways of... They're not real operations themselves. The basic, four basic... Um, um, Operations in mathematics are what? Division, multiplication, addition, and subtraction. Now, permit me to expand the thinking here. In Genesis 128, it says that marriages should be multiplicative. But if we have to really understand what multiplicative marriages are, we have to examine other types of marriages because there are three others in addition to the multiplicative marriages. The first are divisive marriages. Divisive marriages. What are divisive marriages? These are, quite frankly, dysfunctional marriages that end up leaving both of the individuals less of who they were in a dramatic sense. I don't know how many of you have ever met someone or not met someone. You knew someone maybe some time back in whether it was in secondary school, whether it was in uni, a good friend that you grew up with, Time went on 10 years after, you know, you guys hadn't seen each other. And the next time you saw the person, spent 15 minutes with the person, you almost started crying. We often say something like this. This person was a pale shadow of themselves. And you find out the story and you realize when it has everything to do with their marriage. These are people who are mad. And by mad, I mean M-A-D. Where bringing them together ensures that there is mutual, there is mutual what assured destruction. That is, people where in the marriages, abuse is the norm. We're talking about sex being overrated. In these marriages, they hardly ever have sex. We're talking about marriages where sometimes adultery is being involved. And if there are children in those marriages, the children are living literally it's just that they are not sleeping and dreaming this. They are living out a nightmare. And they cannot often stand their parents, you know, fighting. They see it all the time. When these kids grow up, they are the kind of children that often do not have good views about marriage. They're the ones who end up delaying marriage or they've given up on marriage altogether because of what they went through. These are marriages where the people inside the marriages quite literally want to destroy one another, quite literally hate one another. They often end up in separation, divorce, indifference, or disaster. When I say disaster, I'm not playing with it. My wife and I know someone who 
And some of us even knew the story, but someone whose brother was in one of those marriages. Both sides were, you know, playing their role. And things got so bad, so bad, that at some point, he called his sister. At this, my wife is saying she wants to kill me. And the sister says, better leave. The mother says, better leave. So how will I leave this my house for who? By the next morning, it was news spattered all around Lagos. He had been stabbed multiple times. When I say stabbed, like he was stabbed multiple times. Divisive marriages. May may not end in that kind of disaster. But when people are so divided, they are divided themselves. Oh, sorry. They are divided. They are divided amongst themselves, but even internally, the division between themselves has caused division inside themselves. They end up becoming a pale shadow of who they are. Divisive marriages. Now, the next one is what we will call subtractive marriages. Subtractive marriages. These ones are not, they are not dysfunctional marriages at all. They are not dysfunctional marriages but here's the thing. They are certainly not happy marriages. They are not happy marriages. These people have... They hardly do things together. Essentially, they live as singles in their marriages. What they are very good at is they do things in public together where they need to. So on the one hand, people sort of see them outside. But those close to them will tell you, no, these guys are essentially living as singles. These people, they do not... They had, dates together. What dates? They don't go out together, personally. They don't plan any holiday together. They don't host people together except when they are, you know, forced to. Essentially, in these marriages, again, not dysfunctional, but they are emotionally disconnected from each other. Uh, do they have sex? Yeah, occasionally they have sex. It's not usually out of necessity or accidentally. Somehow. You know, necessity sometimes, but you know, before we like, somehow, somehow... The stars just aligned. They did the right. Like, oops, how did that happen? <laughs> but you know the funny thing about these marriages? You can be fooled if you don't know them because the people themselves, individually, they are actually achieving a lot on their own individually. They are able to do things. They have perfected the art of living individually. They make investments on their own. They counsel people on their own. They raise kids on their own. They go to church on their own. They eventually get settled in unhappiness and learn to cope with life on their own. In those marriages, the kids are often left confused about marriage because they receive double parenting. And most often they have to get, they have to become adults when they are children. They have to, somehow they start wondering, you know, I don't want to tell mommy what daddy said there because if I tell mommy that, that mommy is going to get very unhappy. So the children at age six, seven, start knowing how to manage 
almost as though they are managing their parents. You know when they say manage your boss? The children start learning that very quickly because they've seen that things between their parents are one kind. And also, the children are less confused about marriage because they see the kind of uh, marriage, they're left confused about marriage and they're left, if they're in Christian homes, they're left confused about Christianity because they see the pretense in public and they know what's really happening on the inside. They can see their parents shouting and praising Jesus and yet they're saying, but I see what's happening here. They are not dysfunctional, but neither of them is really able to be who they are truly meant to be. They are taken from themselves. So while in the divisive marriages you say this person is a complete pale shadow of who they were, in subtractive marriages you would see the person and say, I always thought that she could be more. I always thought that he, he was, I know we don't do this in, in Nigeria and all that. That's why I said woods on Sunday and some people are saying, is it woods or bush? But just permit me this one. They were voted most likely to succeed in their secondary school. And you'd be like, what happened to this person? And you trace it and you say, oh, there was something wrong with the marriage. Let's improve the mood in this place a little bit. <laughs> then you have additive marriages. And these marriages occasionally have issues. But here's what you know. The couple really love each other. They do. They add value to each other. So in terms of what they've achieved financially or in other, in, in, in other things in life, they actually do together. Right? They, well, in terms of their Christianity... You know, they are, I like when I, you, I don't, I like going to um, Baptist churches for, for weddings. You know why? Because that's the one place I know I'm going to sing, God give us Christian homes. Right? When you look at these people, they have that Christian home. See, the Christian home, they have morning altar. And okay, sometimes. Morning altar and devotion sometimes. So when you look at them, you look at them in church. I say, ah! eh, what do you say? <laughs> okay. Poster a couple for, for how to, to be a married couple. You just see them. You see them walking together in their anko. You understand? <laughs> well ironed. The children sit down. They are praising God. They are not disturbing people up and down. <laughs> How it, how it is in church. Everybody is, ah, church, may God help us. Everybody is always looking holy inside church, but the judgment inside, like, look at how these children are not working out, but where are the parents? But not Victoria and, the, uh, and, and the Elijah's uh, daughter. No! Good Christian, can I just see how they love each other? They are constantly, no, 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 that wasn't meant, that was not meant, Ah, no, God, you see, no, no. Ara is a good girl. I've seen it. No, she's a good girl. Terrible, terrible. They're always constantly posting good birthday messages about their spouse on Instagram, on their stories, you know, telling you about how this person is a, my wife is a woman of virtue, Proverbs 31, they shall call, arise to call you blessed. Oh, my husband is my king. He's my prophet. He's my priest. You know, they're always selling. At some point, it becomes a little bit obnoxious. Because here is the thing about these parents 
additive thing um, 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 uh, couples. As good as things are. Oh, sorry. I have to say they also have healthy sex lives as well. They have healthy sex lives. I should say that. But as good as things are, you often find out that it seems more about them than anything else. These are parents who are obsessed with the achievement of their kids. The ones that are nightmares to uh, parent teachers association always complain about everything because my child didn't do this, my child didn't do that. They are obsessed with the achievement of their kids. And when I say obsessed, they will let you know. You know those sort of, <laughs> don't mind my son, no. I didn't even know all these things you were just doing. Oxford called him. London School of Economics called him. Can I just... Now he's just suffering. doesn't even know which one to choose. Just, <laughs> these things, you know. CIS were even saying they will give um, a scholarship. Can you imagine? And the person dropped it like, it's not, I'm not trying to boast to... It's all this thing is all to who? To the glory of God. It's really about them, not about anybody else. And you find out about these couples is that they are often very clicky, clicks, clicky. It's about their family and that's it. I said they are good in church, but they will easily give up participation in church stuff if it affects their life in, in the life they have built up in any way. They can be charitable with some things as long as it doesn't come as a significant cost to the lifestyle they feel they deserve. Really, rather than being Christ-centered, in reality, they are a comfort-centered married with Christ at the peripheries. And yet, sadly, this is the marriage that so many people aspire towards. This is the marriage that many times is put up for us as the model Christian marriage. Now, don't get me wrong again. There are many good things about it. But can I tell you about this kind of marriage? If you are in that kind of marriage or that's the kind of marriage that you envision, your vision is too small. It's too small because the God behind that vision is too small a God. He is not the God in Genesis 1.28. There was a couple, a dating couple that I was recently talking to. And they were trying to make a significant decision uh, post-marriage. And, you know, talking about, thinking about where they will stay and all of those things. And I asked them, what do you guys see yourselves doing in 10 years? Let's say you are married. In 10 years' time, I asked in 10 years' time, I asked in 30 years. No, I asked also in 30 years' time. Let's say you are in your 60s. In 30 years' time, what do you guys see yourselves doing? So hopefully, well, they will be financially secure. Check. They'll have their, their children will be Christians. Check. They will have been given to, they'll be part of a good local church. Check. They would give to a couple of things. Check. But, you know, and they would live, they would sort of, Travel the world, see all of those things, check. What's wrong with that? The vision is too small. And I told them, I said, on the one hand, that's an okay marriage, but it is so sad on the other hand. Because God has made you for a whole lot more. And many times, let me tell you the truth, is that the problems we have in our marriage is that we have settled for too little in our marriages. We have built our marriages around the vision of an additive marriage. And when we are failing to meet up with the standard of an additive marriage, that actually plunges us into what? 
Subtractive marriages and divisive marriages. You know why? Because God never set up an additive marriage as the vision that we should have. That is an idolatrous vision. Are you getting me? God has prepared us. God has prepared you. Whether you are married here or not, God has prepared you for more. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has prepared us for more. And the more we saw in Genesis 1, 28. What is in Genesis 1, 28? It's a multiple, a multiple, okay. English is my second language. You to say multiplicative. In one twenty-eight, it says that before they multiply, they should be what fruitful, fruitful. And then some people say, ah, fruitful now, right? The fruit of the notice that womb was not mentioned there, meaning that the fruitfulness, yes. It will have the womb as part of it, but there are many other wombs, not just the womb of the woman, but many other wombs. I say, how do you know that? Because it said, be fruitful and multiply. It wasn't just talking about one thing. It was talking about many other things. In fact, it said, be fruitful, multiply, replenish the earth, subdue it. The fruitfulness and the multiplication that they are meant to have is meant to enable them to replenish the earth and to do what? To subdue it. God wasn't bringing two people together just so that they can have babies. Because if that's the case, most of us stop having babies by what age? Right? By what age? <laughs> so, by the way, when she said that he has uh, two kids, it was two kids and full stop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Two kids and kind of, no, 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 it's not, <laughs> it's not beans. <laughs> it's not being real with that. Now, it's not just because most of us, biologically, we can't even have kids beyond a certain age. Is that where our fruitfulness is meant to stop? So he says multiply. They are meant to be producing more than kids. That is not just in one section. They are meant to be producing in so many other places. These are very healthy marriages, stable, with very strong love for one another, even though they are not perfect. You see, in these marriages, it's not just that they are sex is healthy. The sex is really good. Like when I say good, it's like it's very, they have very good sex. And it's not because they have read the manual. It's not, as I feel like say, that's why you cannot learn. If you are trying to learn how to have good sex as my couples, don't go and watch porn. Don't watch porn. It can never, don't just get one kind of manual. It will never because the secret to, you know, great sex, and you can go and listen to the message that we, what was that thing called? It was Christ and Sexuality series, but there was one. Sex and Family, exactly. Sex and Family. Right? The, there are other prerequisites that enables you to, for your sex to be great. The, the knowledge that we have in sex is a, the same knowledge that we have in love. Right? Adam knew his wife, but it also says Adam made love to his wife. They are experts in sex because they are experts in knowledge of one another. So the marriage is absolutely healthy. It is productive, not just with children. And sometimes, okay, how about the people that cannot have children? Does that mean they are not fruitful? No, but you first see it in their sexual life. It is wonderful. But guess what? 
Because it is truly love. And I like to say this thing. Love, true love is expansive. Self-love is contractive. Self-love is always trying to get people to love it. Always trying to get people to do your bidding. So first of all, everything that you do is really for yourself. But you get to get other people to try to do things for you. So people who are dominated in their marriages because one of the other spouse members, one of the other spouses, uh, one the other spouse is really loving themselves and they want the other person to do everything to love them. But if you have true love, true love is always other-centered. In other words, it's always expansive. So even though they love themselves, the love is not limited to themselves. Amen. It is in that kind of marriage you will see the children flourishing. Have you never gone to some houses? I'm not talking about where the children just feel like they're spoiled. The children look like they're happy. The children are always dotting over their parents. The children want their parents. Have you not seen my, uh, my uh, houses where mommy is inside that place, daddy is inside? The children are just trying to bring mommy and daddy together. Because why? That place where mommy and daddy are together, there is something that comes out of them that attracts the children. The children are never neglected. It is a multiplicative marriage. It is a fruitful marriage. Are you getting what I'm saying? But you see that we have that in the additive marriage. Exactly. In the multiplicative marriage, when it says be fruitful and multiply, these people's love is so expansive that it is not only for their household. Somehow they bring other people. Other people are touched by the love in that house. I don't want to get too theological here, but that's what we have in God. God is love. Why is God love? Because he is three in one. And the members of the Trinity love each other so much. And it is the overflow of that love that created the universe. God created this universe in love. Do you understand that? It was the overflow of the love of God in the Trinity that flowed into this universe. And it's the same overflow of God in the Trinity that because the people that he created in his image fell... Out of that love, he redeemed them. For God so what? Loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It is out of the love that was in God that came to rescue us. Are we together? And so truly, when you have that kind of other-centered, multiplicative love, it always expands towards other people. So that's why people, you know, there are some people you go into their houses. They invite you to their house. And... The love they have for each other makes you look at your wife and say, Omo, when are we going? You know, they're just, they tell you how great their marriage is so that you know how bad your own marriage is. <laughs> it's just everything is just all about them. It's just like, Omo, man, I just want to go. Whereas there are some people, you know them in church. It's not that when they invite you, you, are want, you want to stay. No, you, you invite yourself over. I know some of you, I know I went to some people's house two weeks ago and they said that some people left. I said, hey, why did you people invite them? They said, we didn't invite them, they invited themselves. Why do you want to go to those people's houses? Whereas you go to some other people's houses and be like, it's nice, so it's nice, you know, I have to do this thing because we have to love everybody. Uh, but uh, I don't like this situation, but it's somewhat awkward, but we just go. There are certain kinds of households you just love to go in there because you feel a love of God that is there. It is so attractive. Oh, may God make our marriages like this. This is what we were built for. 
These people are extremely generous with their resources. They're extremely generous with their time. They're extremely generous with their, you know, resources, all of that. Now, don't make a mistake. You know, sometimes I said, the, the, the trick, the, the, the thing that may be deceptive here is that sometimes you may be dealing with a subtractive marriage and you think it's multiplicative. You know why? Because you are always only meeting with one person in that marriage. So they are counseling you on their own. They are giving to you on their own. That person themselves is doing wonderful things. But that's not necessarily what that couple is doing. Are we, are we together? And so God wants us to be that, to have that kind of mind. The reason why it multiplies is because they are other-centered. They are not themselves-centered. So, not only do people love coming over, as I said, but they invite themselves. They invite people over and people just invite themselves. So, who doesn't want this kind of marriage? If you do say, I do want that, then how do we get this kind of marriage? Well, if you can think, what would be the difference between this marriage and actually all the other marriages? And I'll tell you what it is. Quite frankly, it's purpose. They define why the answer to that question, why are you married, is properly defined. Look at that Genesis 1.28 again. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply. And then God commissioned them. There was a reason why they existed. Why did they exist? To subdue the earth. To replenish it. That is, God didn't just create Adam and Eve and just say, and the work is done. Now, for God, in some ways, it was done. He saw them and it was very good. But for Adam and Eve, what happened? The work had just started. So, Bumi and, and Deji that were here, your, the purpose of your marriage did not happen at your wedding. Which is, sadly, again, what happens with a lot of people, right? Sadly, what happens with a lot of people is this. The way we, we, our last day is set up, and it's getting worse and worse. You know now, some people, when they're engaged, ha, God, engagement. May God deliver also. Engagement now, I thank God for when I got married. That's what I'll say. You know now, there is what they call, um, what's that photo? Photo shoot. Pre-wedding what? Photo shoot. Hell! Isn't it just going more and more elaborate? Like before, some people just did, you know, when, when my wife and I did pre-wedding photo shoot, it was for um, eh? for program. You understand? They will not put you inside that circle. You know what I mean? You understand? You don't wear somewhere, one nice studio, just did that, okay, go. But this one now is not that, oh. Is first of all, there has to be the video for the proposal. I always wonder, how is it that the ladies are always very well dressed for the proposal? But it was always a surprise! <laughs> oh my God! How did you... Did you so we have a video for, the, for that one thing. Then after that, there's the Lekiko wedding. Uh, Lekiko, if you don't do Lekiko, Lekiko Bridge, it's not certified. <laughs> ah, there's beach now. Which one? Ah, no, no, don't give me that one. Yeah, I don't... So why did you not do the, the picture? The picture, hey God, you see what they are wearing. And now, I love, I don't love, but the guys have to look strong. You see the guy, he put his hand on his head. Boss, boss. And you see the lady, she will look like an olori. Mm. 
they will do for Yoruba one, they will do for the English one, they will use uh, Hotel Dollar's house as a, a, a background. They will, all, all of that is just for the pre-wedding photo shoot. Just pre-wedding photo shoot. 250,000. <laughs> so when you've done that one, and then you know you have to get the venue, get all of that, then now you will do a baby, uh, not baby shower. No pregnancy shower, no. Uh -huh. Bridal shower, that one is after. We are in church. I know you have to uh -huh. Bridal shower, bachelor's eve. Um, I'm not going to engagement. Introduction, introduction is now what we used to call engagement. To, right? Friends are now invited for. So there's introduction. I'm not talking all the clothes that you have to buy. Then there is a, there's this one they now do Suya night or something before. Yeah, yeah, there's a new one. Don't worry, it's coming. Then, then there's trad. Exactly. I hope you are saving. Then there's trad. Then there is um, the wedding. And then the wedding, you know, you have to get all this ah, makeup. Makeup. The makeup that people are doing now, it was the cost of my entire wedding. You don't know my wedding. You don't so you can understand when you are built up like that, that the wedding itself was the goal. And then what happens after the wedding is like, ah, hey, so we are meant to be, oh, death, let's start with death. So like, so, ah, how are we not going to do this living thing? I hope you guys are understanding me. God created them and then brought them together and then commissioned them. Discovering the purpose is what actually the multiplication and the fruitfulness is there for. Now, let me quickly put out a word of hope there. Here, I don't care how long you've been married. If this has not been your view, God can restore your marriage today. But God wants us to build purposeful marriages. Multiplicative marriages are marriages that have a defined purpose according to what God has called you to. So how do we know, how do we build on that, um, uh, those marriages? How do we build those marriages, those purposeful marriages? Well, for you to build them, listen to this, it takes discovery. You have to discover what the purpose is and development. Discovery and development. That's how you build the marriage. But you do it through a three-step process. Prayer, processing, and practice. Prayer, process, practice. Praying, processing, and practicing. Let's quickly go through that. So let's start with the first one. Pray. And be like, so I don't like coming to church. Can you not tell me something more practical? You know, there's nothing in this world more practical than prayer. I'm not, I'm not even trying to give a ton of phrase or anything. Do you know all the forces at work inside you, outside you, all the forces that work in this world, all the different permutations of all the different things that you are not in control of this world, though. You are not even half in control of your life. You know, I get tired, I'm really sick and tired of people that come maybe... They, they go and try, they travel and they do their masters or something. They go abroad for a while and they come back and they say something like this. Eh, ah, those people in the West, they are gone. They no longer believe in God. You know why? Because they become super rational. They are now rational. They don't feel like they need God for every, anything. They have all their needs met. 
Whilst I wouldn't want to say that is totally untrue, whilst I don't, I, I don't want to dispute that it's not totally untrue, why I'm tired about, of, of hearing that is because in this Lagos, there are already so many people that believe like that. We've become so self-sufficient. Yes, okay, maybe you grew up in a church where prayer was something else. It was used to kill enemies. Every single thing was pray, 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 pray. Maybe you grew up in that church. Maybe. But the abuse of it doesn't mean, it doesn't invalidate its proper use. You cannot call yourself a Christian where you don't have an active prayer life. And can I tell you, in your marriage, in your marriage, you need prayer. To say, oh, eh, eh, I just need an intellectual discussion or a program or an expert, a mind expert to tell me what we need to do. Because you know what? If only we know, we will do. All we need is knowledge to help us with behavior. I've never heard a more irrational statement than that. Because it is so... Just think about all the sins you've committed. No, let's not, let's not even say sin. All the mistakes you've made in life. You know most of the mistakes you made in your adult life, you knew, you knew about, you knew what was right before that. But we say that what? Knowledge is the thing that just leads us to behavior. No, it's not. If there's one advice I'm going to give you that you should not forget today, it is this. Prayer is where we attract God's power and wisdom. Don't get bored of asking God, don't get bored of requesting from God, don't get bored because even when you don't always receive the answers to what you are asking for, you are constantly coaching, you are constantly teaching yourself to know that you are dependent on the one who created marriage. There is nothing worse you can do than to try and live it out on your own. Nothing worse. So as you are trying to say, what is my purpose? What is the purpose of this marriage? As you are trying to do that, never at any point remove asking God for him to show you that purpose. Amen. Yeah. Second is processing. Now, alongside prayer, yes, you do have to think. The same Bible that calls you to pray is the same Bible that calls you to think. And here's where it starts. If we want to say, what's the purpose for our marriage? It's no more than first and foremost, what's the grand purpose for your life? What's the grand purpose for your life? Have you ever thought, what is it? Uh, let me give myself the grand purpose of your life. What's the grand purpose of your life? Let me tell you the grand purpose of your life. That you, uh, because you know, I, I, I see things. For me, let me tell you the grand purpose of your life. Are you ready for this? You are ready for this? You don't have one. 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 None of us have any a grand purpose for our lives. Look at Romans 8 verse 28, if you're a child of God. Romans 8 verse 28, put it up. And we know that all things work, all things, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and have been called according to what? Yes. You don't have one. And thank God you don't have one. The purpose, the grand purpose for your life is not your purpose, it's the purpose that God has called you to. If you did not call yourself out of darkness, you cannot create, create a purpose for yourself. He says, for those who love him and are what? Called, except you are not called by God, 
Except you are not called by God, please go ahead and then put a purpose for your life. But the grand purpose for our lives, if we've been called out of darkness into his marvelous light, is not defined by us, it's defined by him. Amen. Amen. And then you think, oh, where do we find it? Do we go to another? No, no, just go to the next verse. You see, because the purpose, hold on, the purpose for our lives, it wasn't something that God said, ah, look at Debo. Hmm, this Debo, he's going to be like 5'8", five, 5'9". Five, Let me give him a purpose. He can't play basketball. He can't play basketball, right? 5'8", <laughs> 5'9". Five, 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 so he's not going to. God did not create the grand purpose for our lives after he saw us. He had created the grand purpose for our lives before we were born. That is why it goes in the next verse and it says, for what? For those he foreknew, he what? Predestined. The destination for our life has already been foreordained before the foundation of the world. Are you understanding? And so he's not giving it to one person in one way. He's giving it to all his children. You have one purpose. For those he foreknew, he what? He predestined to be what? Conformed to the image of his son. That's your purpose for your life. That is the reason you exist. You exist. All everyone here, if you're a Christian, you exist. What? To be conformed to the image of Christ. That is our destination. For you to have a purpose is because you have a destination. He predestined us. Now, but then you go back to 28. He says, We know that what? All things. Aha. So you see, you go from the grand and then you go to the granular. But the granular must fit into the grand. Are you understanding? They are all things. They are different things. But he's saying that the all of those different things should work together for the grand thing. Are you understanding? So your work exists in some way, even when you don't understand, your work exists what? To conform you to the image of son. The suffering in your life exists to conform you what? To the image of your son. The victories in your life exist to conform you to the image of your wealth, your health, or even the lack of the health exists what? To conform. There is nothing outside of God's domain and therefore there is nothing outside of God's plan and purpose for your life if only you will see it. Why are you married? To be conformed to the image of his son. And therefore, what is the purpose of your spouse? What's the purpose of Susha Tedu? Ah, okay, no. <laughs> Apart from quitters. And what's the purpose of Tedu? You are an agent for God. You are an agent that God is going to use to conform Susha into the image of Christ. Susha, you are an agent for God to use. Ah, man, Tedo's on his heart, child. <laughs> What's up, man? To conform him into the image of Christ. So, Mr. and Mrs. Agent, how's your work going? All things. That's the destiny. Think about the last thing that you and the last spot you and your spouse had. Think about that. Investment you are making, how does it all conform? How do you put your life's purpose in that grand thing? Now, that's the grand. We're coming now to the granular. We're talking about marriage. 
when we then say the granular and say our marriage, the all things, the all things fit into a grand purpose, conforming us in the image of the Son. But each of the all things can have different purposes that fit into this larger purpose. Are you understanding? Because remember, we are trying to be conformed to the image of Christ. So we have to ask ourselves the question, what will, G what will Jesus do? What, what are the things we see that Jesus will do? And so when you are trying to discover in a narrower sense, what is the purpose of this marriage? I want you to ask three questions. There are three questions you should ask. There are three things we should consider. And th this would make it even more practical. You look for common passions, common gifts, and agreed opportunities. Common passions, common gifts, and agreed opportunities. Because here's what you can say. Jesus said, go into all nations and disciple. Why do my wife and I exist? To go into all nations, uh, to go and disciple all nations. You are your wife, disciple all nations. Is it possible? So you have to still bring it down. As I'm trying to be more like Jesus Christ, how is it, as Chidima and Solomon are trying to be more like Jesus Christ, how is it that they can leave that out as their purpose in their own specific way? They must look for common what? Common passions. Common what? Gifts and agreed opportunities. Now I'm saying this, whether you are 10 years plus married, whether you are 5 to 10, 0 to 5, or you guys are already thinking about being married, have this down now. Start asking questions. So let's quickly look at that. Common passions. What are you both passionate about? Very early on in our marriage, we saw that we were both passionate about the transformation of people. That is, there's something we love seeing people who were, whether they were caught in sin or what have you, and they are being, you know, paralyzed by this. And then you see this person working better. Or whether somebody didn't really come the way they used to think, they didn't really have purpose in their life, and now we see that person. Or we saw somebody that was just unserious, you know, with how they used to work with God, and now you see them flourishing, helping, they are, they are performing as leaders and all of those things. That was one thing we knew we were both passionate about. And so because of that, from the day we got married, I'm not saying everybody can do this. Thank God we're able to. But from the day we got married, we decided, even though our resources were limited, we would never have a house with less than two bedrooms. Because we knew we, for that to happen, we needed to be close to people. We needed to have some kind of proximity. So we decided that we would never have a house with what? Less than two bedrooms. Because somebody may want to visit so that we can talk overnight, so that we can pray together. Are you following what I'm saying? What, within the scope of what Jesus would want, what are you passionate about? So in Kechi, Mose, they have the number of things I'm passionate about. And Francis brings some of the things he's passionate about. And then, draw a Venn diagram. No, don't. All right? <laughs> but find some commonalities. I am not saying, for instance, I know Francis is passionate about basketball. Inkechi couldn't care less about it. <laughs> for those for those watching, for those watching that didn't hear, I said Francis is passionate about basketball. Inkechi said Inkechi is the ball. In that regard, Francis is a big baller. So, of course, you guys are going to be. Wow. 
get a wife that has a good turn of phrase. <laughs> so, of course, you are going to be passionate about individual things. There's nothing worse than people who try to say marriage should be, you know, unity is not uniformity. So, you can't say because we are now one, we must always all like the same thing. One of the best things, I think, in my marriage is that we give ourselves space just to pursue the things that we like. But imagine if everything that we liked, everything I liked, she hated. Why are we together? <laughs> so there are things we are passionate about. Now, that is just maybe like interest. So maybe you like going to restaurants together. That's one thing. I don't know how that fits into the conformity into the image of Christ, right? <laughs> <laughs> so let's be careful about it. Ah, you see, we like this thing. God, <laughs> predestined, predestination. No, it's not, not restaurants, okay? What are you both passionate about in Christ? I'm saying this because some of us need to go back home and do an inventory. What are you both passionate about? Fine, common passions. The next thing is common what? Gifts. Common abilities. What is it that you are both good at that then fits into this narrative? One of the couples that Tosi and I did their premarital counseling, when we got to this stage, we now asked, we're so blessed by this couple in the way they said it. This couple said, they thought about it, and God had uniquely financially blessed them, even before they were married, individually. So they knew, and they were well set up, good schools, everything. They knew that all things being equal, right, they were going to be hugely financially blessed. You know what they said? Oh, they know that one thing God has called them to is financial generosity. And so that they were already had intentional ways of how they will constantly be blessing their church, but also pursuing things beyond the church that fall in line with how Jesus behaved. What is it that God has commonly given to both of you and how are you going to steward it in line with those passions? You see this thing, as I'm saying, here's what you don't see that may, you may not be seeing that is going on. We're talking about people who are praying about this thing together. Then after they start processing this thing together, over and over again, do you know what they are doing? Or do you know what they are not doing? They are not arguing. They are not talking about petty things like, like, like you, you, you didn't text me today. Or you didn't, uh, why, did you, why did you speak to me in that tone? I'm not saying some of those things you shouldn't question, but when those things are at the, at the height of what, you know, your mind conversation is about, you see that you are not, you are not, you are not living out what you are made for. Common interests. Uh, sorry, common interests, common gifts. And maybe I should put a small caveat here in the common gifts. Sometimes, in this aspect of being conformed to the image of Christ and living that out, sometimes one person may be uniquely um, gifted in such a very intense way that the other person isn't. And that other person's gift is to do what? Is to support the other one. Are you understanding? So the woman may be uniquely gifted as maybe like a, 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 maybe a, 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 a preacher. She may be uniquely gifted as a preacher. What is the husband meant to do to, to give her the study time, to buy the books, to be able to organize places where she can speak to those people? Do you understand? They are still working together. Maybe one of them may be uniquely financially, you know, high, or one of them is uniquely gifted in counseling. The other one support. But what are you doing? 
That's why my heart blesses. I always tell them, sorry, sorry, Moses and Delmo. The counsel is counseling, counseling. We are always just throwing. My marriage counseling, people counsel, everything. We just throw it at them. Their house is a house where people just go to and find life. They are using that common word, gift. And that common gift, the use of that common gift, brings them together. Final one is agreed opportunities. Agreed opportunities. You can't do everything. Oh. You are not gifted. Nor are both of you, nor do both of you have the same passion for everything. God has placed you in specific places to specific people so that you can discover your specific purpose. Agreed opportunities. Try to limit, try to see. It's not everything. If church is calling you to do everything, at some point you tell Emmanuel, no. Tell Kwalumi, no. Don't tell me, no, though. <laughs> But we are not, it's not everything because we are not gifted, even individually, we are not gifted in everything and we are not passionate about everything. And it's the same thing with us as couples. And so as you process these things, then the last part, remember we said pray, then process, and what's the last one? Practice. Practice, I'm not going to say practice makes perfect, or I just did. All right. But practicing, it's, listen, if you don't start practicing, you will not develop the muscles that enable you to get better. Here's where some people do. You can process to the point of paralysis. Or you are still praying. We are still going to the mountain over and over because God hasn't yet declared the, the purpose fully. You already have some things. Don't be, look, even if you fail, if you fail, you pray. If you, if you fail, you learn and you process again. You guys should just start somewhere. Don't say, oh, we are not even one year. You should have already started discovering the purpose before you even entered into the marriage. Start doing something. In fact, it's in doing the things that you start to discover, oh, 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 it's this, but let's cut out this thing and let's cut out this other one. Don't stop being, trying to be purposeful. As you practice, you'll observe that your marriage, honestly, take these three steps. I'm telling you, you'll observe that your marriage is different to most of the marriages around you in Lagos. It is at that point you will learn how to say, because your mind is so purposeful, you learn how to say no to every uh, all the invitations you are giving, all the assurances that you are giving, all the whatever. You, are, you start just saying no. People will not like you. Be like, I'm sorry, I first have to live for the Lord. But God wants us to be purposeful in our mind because that is what makes it multiplicative. But there's one more thing I should add, and I'll use this to close. I don't know about you, but you know, you know, um, have you ever eaten food from an expert? An expert. I'm not even talking, you know, what's happening? Food from an expert. Every night. Tell you are doing well. I did his counseling. I did his counseling. <laughs> And it's not overrated. <laughs> that thing you're looking for is not overrated. Anyway, come, let's come back. So, yeah, some people are getting it. They are getting it later now. Yes, yes. They say, they say it's not PG-13. So, okay. Now, food from an expert. When I say food from an expert, I'm not necessarily talking about a chef. Let's take, you know, for instance, you know jollof rice. The best people that have eaten jollof rice by chefs before is horrible. 
absolutely horrible. Uh, bland. They even be, you'll be using basmati to do. Why do uses basmati to do job? No, 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 You can't use bas basmati. Was not made for jollof rice. Don't tell me nonsense. You know what I'm talking about? When do you put it in jollof rice? Let me tell you. Uh, let me tell you. When you eat jollof rice from an expert, there's always something I've realized in that jollof rice. You know. Jollof rice is the same everywhere in terms of making jollof rice, basically. Right? It's going to come out yellow, red, whatever. It's tomato-based, it's the rice, it's everything. But when you eat, you look at it, it all looks the same, but you eat it and you know, mm, no, this one is this person's jollof rice. Like me, like this. I know my wife's jollof rice if I'm blindfolded. I know my mother's jollof rice. I know my sister's jollof rice. I know our domestic self jollof rice. I know Ghana has jollof rice. I know... There was one old barracks in Surulere back in the day. I know that jollof rice too. Do you understand? Blindfolded. You don't even have to tell me. Why? Because even though the food is all the same ingredients, the same kidney, there is always something that is added that you say, no, it belongs to this person. Do you understand? There's always something. Some people say it's the hand. Or some people say, but I almost feel like it's almost as though when they have cooked the jollof rice, when they have to, then they now put their own specific thing. They just pour out something, a blessing that makes it uniquely their own. Do you understand? And so that then gives it the particular taste. You know White House Amala, you know I Amala, Sky is Amala. You know, they're just different things that they pour something on it that makes it distinctly their own. Listen, after you have prayed, after you have processed, and after you have practiced, all of those things are like ingredients and cooking instructions. But they are all set up for one thing. There is an extra that is needed. Look at that Genesis 1.28 first. It says that God what? Bless them. There is a need for us to have the blessing of God. After all this fruitfulness, after all this, the reason why fruitfulness comes, the reason why multiplication comes, all of those things that we have set up, we set it up, but ultimately the grand purpose and the outliving of this thing comes when God pours out his blessing upon us. He blessed them first before he commissioned them. God blessed them and then he told them, go and do this thing. Are you following me? He blesses them first before he then commissions them. And then you ask me, what is God's blessing? Because that's one of the most difficult things in this Nigerian Christianity. Everybody wants to be blessed. Don't you want to be blessed? What is God's blessing? What does it mean? Let me tell you what God's blessing is. I've been trying to study this thing for a long time. Looking in different places, looking here and different. Here's what God's blessing is. I don't know. I'm serious. I don't know. I don't think you can define it. I think God's blessing is like trying to define. When they say that girl is fine, that woman is fine. They say describe it. I do, how would you use words? We just know that the person is what? Fine. There is just something about it that tells me there is something that is just about this woman. I can't start to describe it. The moment I start trying to describe it, it becomes what? Elusive. Somebody recently, maybe the best, uh, the best closest to it, but I still slightly disagree. The person called God's blessing multidimensional flourishing. That is flourishing in every dimension of your life. And I'm like, yes, it's close, but I don't think that is true. Because when we look at someone that we say, ah, it's looking like something, God is really favoring this person. We don't say, look at the blessing. You know what we say? 
this is a blessed person. We are unable to identify the blessing, but we know where God has poured out his blessing. So here's how I redefined it. Even though you see that it's not a true definition. What is God's blessing? God's blessing is that thing that God gives that leads to multidimensional flourishing. That thing that God gives that leads to multidimensional flourishing. When he pours it out on your marriage, you know that this marriage is God-blessed. He blessed them before he what? He commissioned them. I don't want you to miss out this pattern in the Bible. Listen, for them to be able to achieve the things that God had called them to do, unity was a prerequisite. You always need unity for you to achieve your goal. If man united, disunited by the grace of God, they will never achieve their goal. It is only when you are united that you can achieve the purpose that God has called you to. So unity is needed. But what do we need before unity as God's people? Then you go to Psalm 133. And he says, how beautiful it is when God's people dwell together in what? Unity. It is as though oil was being poured on the head of Abram and to the, the, the beard and to the skirt and down to his feet. He said it's as though that the dew had of heaven had descended upon Mount Zion. And then he says this. He says this and never mistaken. He says, for it is there that God what? Commanded the blessing. Evil life forevermore. There is something that God pours out on your marriage. When you process, when you pray, when you decide to practice this, this thing about purposefulness that we call upon the name of the Lord, he pours it out on there. He said, what is it? I don't know what it is, but when I see a blessed marriage, I can know what it is. There are people who are blessed and they are, they are, they are blessed to be a blessing. In Psalm 112, he gives you the definition of a blessed man. He said, a blessed man does not hold the blessing to himself. A blessed man, what? He scatters what? His gifts to the poor. It is not an additive marriage. It is not a subtractive marriage. It is not a divisive marriage. God pours out his blessing and these people receive it and somehow they just scatter their gifts to the poor. Oh, may God pour out his blessing upon our marriages. May God enable us to be the kind of people where our love does not just stay around us, but somehow it expands. It expands to our children. It expands to our church. It expands to our place of work. It expands to our city. God is saying, stop dreaming small. Dream big. I have called you to something else. And then see whether your mind will not flourish. I'll end with this scripture because it's so sweet. Again, you must see this pattern. In the grand purpose of things, there is a bigger marriage that we are looking towards. He says that this marriage is like Christ. Marriage is like pointing us to Christ and his church. You know the fulfillment of Genesis 1, 27, 28. The fulfillment of it is the ultimate marriage for the ultimate children. That is, God had chosen Christ, the man, and the church, the bride. So that when they come together, they can bring forth spiritual children. This is why when Jesus rose from the dead, in Luke chapter 24, he commissioned his disciples. He says, you guys knew that the Messiah was meant to die and resurrect. And there after that, repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name. He says, you are witnesses of this thing. So now go and make the disciples of all nations. And then what did Jesus Christ do? He had given the instruction. He had died and he had risen again. Everything was set up. But for them to go, verse 50, read what does he say? He lifted up his hands and he did what? 
He blessed them. May God bless our marriages. This is the one thing you can't buy. This is the one thing you can't process. But it's the one thing that God says, if you set yourself up in this way, I will pour it out. Did he not say this in, in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3? He says that, blessed be the God. Put it up there. He said, blessed be the God. For, go back to verse 3. Praise to God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Who has done what? He has blessed us in heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Why? He chose us from the, from the foundation of the world to be predestined according to being sons, according to his pleasure and his will. Let's rise to our feet. Thank you for listening to the Gospel in Lagos. We pray you've been blessed by this message. To learn more about City Church, visit www.citychurchlagos.com City Church, love Jesus, love people, love Lagos.